to the Jordan Cooter Show Sunday Night Special Edition. I am your host, the man with the mustache, which, let me tell you, it has been measured and comes in today at an astonishing three and three-quarter inches long. I am the distinguished Jordan Cooterer. My co-host, Alex Glick, has taken the past week off as he's been wanting to venture his rap career. Mean G has been in Canada the past week in hopes of landing a deal with Mint Records. Mean G, brother, I'm pulling for you, and I hope you're successful. Mean G will be back on the show for next week next week's episode. And back to this week's show. My guest on the show this week comes from Stowe, Ohio. He was the Heartland Collegiate Athletic Conference Player of the Year runner-up, with many saying he should have been Player of the Year. He batted 369, which was good for seventh in the conference, with a slugging percentage of 846, which was good for first, and on-base percentage, which was 478, seventh in the conference with an on-base plus slugging percentage of 1.324, which again was good for first in the conference. He had 49 RBIs on the year, which was fourth, 14 doubles, which was eighth in the conference, and he had 16 home runs and 34 games played, which was second in the conference. Folks, before I introduce this man, let me just list off a couple more accomplishments from this past season. Against Defiance College, he hit four home runs in game one, two of those being in one inning, one of those being a grand slam. He had 10 RBIs in game one, in game one before hitting another home run in game two, bringing his total to five on the day. Against Franklin College, he hit three home runs in one game. Against Rose Holman, he had a career-high four hits with a grand slam in game one. He is just one of a few people I've seen hit a home run while lunging for a ball in the opposite batter's box. This man, I can honestly say, is one of the coolest people I know, one of my best friends. My next guest on this show is that mofo from Stowe, Ohio, Andrew Bradley. Andrew, brother, welcome to the show. Now, uh, What's up? I, as, as, soon as, I, as soon as I started making the podcast, first thing I said to my friend was, I got to get this guy on the show. He's got a great story to tell. I feel like our listeners uh, would, love to, would love to hear what you have to say, and I feel like you got a lot to talk about, so let's get right to it. Man, you had a hell of a season, the 2022 season, uh, but before we get to any of that, I just want to I just want to hear your whole story, basically, from when you started playing baseball. So I guess my first question would be, who got you into baseball? Yeah, so uh, that was really my dad who got me into it. He, uh, funny story, he actually started getting me in by saying, hey, Drew, uh, I saw in the newspaper that there's a Little League team in Stone. and you're going to play for it. I didn't really have a choice. It was kind of like, he wanted me to try a bunch of things out. I played soccer and football and basketball and baseball and did a bunch of other stuff growing up. And uh, so he really just like pushed me into it. And after the first year, I thought, man, this sucks. I suck. I don't want to play this anymore. Uh, I'm not doing it. And so my dad was like, no, just give it one more year. Like you can't just do something for one year. You got to give it at least another chance to, uh, to see if anything develops from it. And uh, the second year I played and then, I really started to see improvements in my 
in my game and I like to play in it. And uh, so ever since then, it was kind of kind of just took off and trying out for local teams and just playing around Ohio until I started getting recruited for college. Yeah. How, how old were you when you first started playing? I think I was 10 or 11. So I was pat. I didn't play T-ball. I didn't play coach pitch. I jumped right into player pitch. I missed all those years. So um, my first years were I was getting pegged by pitchers that didn't know what they're doing. And so yeah. that was my first experience and I hated it. So uh, I played football. And so I was like used to getting hit and stuff. And so my dad was like, use that and kind of that mindset to uh, good, like get in the box and not be fearful of the ball, but if it hits me, it hits me. Did, did you feel like you had a, you had the, I, I guess I would say like gain the knowledge and the skills needed to play baseball. Did you feel like you have to, you had to gain it quicker than a lot of other people normally had? Because when I, when I started playing baseball, it was right around T-ball, I was about three or four. So I got, I had to slowly transition from T-ball and the knot hole into C-ball and right into B-ball. And then right around when I was nine or 10, that's when I started getting into club baseball and then like traveling, uh, across the Midwest just to play baseball. And uh, so I, I just think that's interesting that you, you've started later than most people who like love baseball and are really good at it. Normally they start a little earlier. Did, did you feel like you had to, you had a slower transition, but just had to like gain the skills and talent necessary. Did you feel like you had to gain it quicker than other people at that age? Um, uh, kind of yes and no. So for football, as a quarterback. I was always able to like throw football and throw baseball pretty well. Um, but I guess where most of it came from was just like definitely the mental side of it and, uh, hitting. I was always, ironically, I was never a very good hitter. I was always pretty good at defense. And, uh, so I remember I, ever since I was little, I've always wanted to be like, I'm a perfectionist. So, um, I like to be really good at everything. And so I remember I tried out for, I think it was like maybe sixth grade. So sixth grade, I'm about two or three years into playing baseball. And I tried out for the local team for Stowe's, just their local travel team. Nobody, nothing like amazing or anything. And uh, this coach kept calling my dad. He was like, I want to have Drew out here. Um, I want him to try out. And so I went to go try out and I did make it. And I was devastated. So I remember going back to my room. I was screaming and crying and pissed and everything. And uh, so I, ever, I think since that point I was like I'm gonna be the best that I could be as a baseball player so I couldn't tell if I needed to catch up really um I mean everybody in little league was kind of awful so I was on the lower totem than everybody else like there were definitely people that were better than me but then once I kind of decided that I wanted to be the best uh that I could be then I started to notice that I was better than a lot of other kids uh, my next question would be for you uh who, who did you idolize growing up when you first started getting into baseball? Because mine was Ken Griffey, like being a Cincinnati guy, like every, every kid either had a Ken Griffey jersey, a Ken Griffey baseball card, or they would just imitate his swing in our games. And uh, I, I guess that would be my idol. So uh, I guess our fans would like to know uh, who was who your idol. And uh, did, did you like try to portray anything or like copy anything of your, or of your baseball idol? Like I, when I first started playing baseball, my, the big, I remember looking back that I would always try to imitate Barry Bond's swing. And obviously me being a, a smaller guy than most people on the field, that never really worked out for me because I, I like to hit for contact uh, before I started getting older. 
So uh, did, did you have like a baseball idol, but since, since you got in baseball a little later, did you have any like previous idols before base, before like a baseball one? Yeah. So um, my baseball idol was probably Yadier Molina. Um, I always watched him. And like I said, my defense was always like where I made my money. And uh, so I always try to throw like him. I transfer, I'd always try to transfer like him. So that in like a catching position where you transfer the ball and you're throwing two second, I always try to do it like that, like him. Um, before that, my dad like loved football, played football growing up. So that was the first sport that I really got started in and devoted a lot of my time to. So I think that person was probably Tim Tebow. And um, shoot, I forget the other guy's name. It was another quarterback for Ohio State that was awesome. But it was probably Tim Tebow just because he was a great person and a great athlete. And um, for football, for when I was a quarterback, I couldn't throw the ball very far. But when I was younger, I was able to move quicker and like juke people out and stuff. And uh, Tim Tebow kind of played like that where he would throw on the run or he would decide to run. So uh, probably Tim Tebow before baseball, but definitely out here at Molina uh, when I was playing baseball. Uh, did you always want to be a catcher, uh, being a big and big, or having Yadier Molina be your idol? Is that what made you want to become a catcher, or were you just always comfortable being the catcher? Or did you, did you like having that pressure on you? Because being a catcher, that's that's got to be one of the most stressful jobs within all the sports. Uh, yeah. so I, I guess yeah. that'd be my next question for you. Yeah, so I originally was a shortstop when I first started playing baseball. Um, don't know how that came to be. I think I just wanted to follow everybody else and I didn't want to play in the outfield because I was away from the action. So, um, was a shortstop for a little bit. And then, uh, my dad one day during a little league game said, our catcher's gone and our backup catcher is pitching now. Um, I need you to catch. And I was like, okay. So I kind of got thrown into it again and played it for a game. I mean, it was all right. It was Little League, so all I had to do was catch the ball. It didn't really matter if I blocked or threw anybody out. And then uh, I was also a pitcher, so I was a shortstop and I was a pitcher. And I remember during a lesson when I was probably 14, 13 or 14, um, I was getting into catching at that time, and I was still pitching, and I was playing short and outfield, so I was doing a bunch of different stuff. And my coach was like, well, you're going to either need to pick between pitching or your knee or catching because – you're going to blow your arm out. If you try to do both, it's just impossible, which looking back on it now, I'm sure I could have done both. I just would have had to recover better. But uh, yeah, at that time, I said I want to be a catcher just because I saw myself as a leader and I liked being in that leadership role where people looked up to me. And uh, yeah, I guess I enjoy the stress of, you know, if I fail, then I'm willing to accept the failure. But if I succeed, then it wasn't necessarily all because of me, but it was because of like a team effort that I was leading. So that was how I always saw catching and that's how I always see like life, I guess. Now going back to, uh, you mentioned football. How, how, when did you first start playing football? Probably when I was like fourth grade, maybe third or fourth grade. So a few years before I started playing baseball, so, yeah, it was, I mean, it wasn't anything crazy. It was just, 
I was a quarterback and then I was like a little halfback. So in between, uh, when you're running like a triple option, you'd have the tailback, the wingback, and the halfback. And the wing and the half sit on either sides of the quarterback, and then there's the tailback. So it was either they would give it to the tailback up the middle or I would flip around and they would pitch it to me and then I'd run. And then I could also play quarterback where I could throw the ball, but I was more of a dual threat where I would go in when it was um, – there was like a defensive end that was kind of slow, and I could read him. And if he was too slow, then I'd pull the ball and I'd take it. Or uh, – if there was a hole open, I'd just give it to the running back. Now, did, did you end up playing football in high school as well? Yeah, I played my freshman year, and then I had a D1 commit in front of me, another really good quarterback in front of me, and then the other freshman that was in my class was 6'2", like 240. So me being 5'10", 160, there was no way I was making it. All right, now, uh, let's, let's transition. Uh, we'll go into high school now. Uh, did, did you want to play other sports in college, like, or was baseball like it? Because when I was in high school, I was big on soccer and being a kicker, uh, and I always left that option open. I enjoyed all three, but I, I knew if I would have, if I would have chosen anything besides baseball in college, I probably would have quit it after a year or two, just because I didn't have the same love uh, or the same passion for football and soccer that I did for baseball. So I, I guess. Uh, did you always know that you, you wanted to play baseball in college? Yeah, you, so – Did you even want to play baseball in college at first? Yeah, I did. So, I think I was, like, maybe a freshman in high school. Um, that's when I was playing football and I was playing CYO basketball. Like, everything I did past or in the beginning of, like, before high school and, like, middle school, every sport that I played was for the benefit of baseball. So, I would play basketball for the stamina. Um mm -hmm. I played football so I could be tough. Um, and then freshman year, started playing football. It was fun, but like everybody kind of had their clicks and I wasn't very good. So I kind of just got set on the side and I ran the scouts team and I took that seriously. And it was just annoying that I was not the best. So quit that. And then I played basketball for another year, just on the side for, stamina so in baseball I wouldn't get tired very easily but ever since uh freshman year um I really wanted to be the best at baseball and I wanted to play college baseball so I would go to showcases and stuff and I remember I went to a showcase um before my freshman year and uh it was in Xenia it was uh like the players whatever showcase so it was just something you could sign up for and I signed up as a catcher and third baseman and we took BP and took defensive stuff and did catching drills and did pop times and stuff like that. And we got a little evaluation afterwards. And so mine was like pretty average, like athletic body could catch the barrel. Arm strength wasn't there. Like they put my strengths and weaknesses and just like my body type and athleticism and stuff like that and my personality. And so I remember I went up to the catching coach afterwards that was the catching coach at Bowling Green. Um, and I said, hey, man, I really appreciate because I was with them all day. I was like, hey, man, I really appreciate the help and the opportunity for letting me like learn from you and uh, the other catchers and stuff. I was like, just out of curiosity, like, where do you see me going? And he was like, um, I'll be honest, you're probably not going to make it to college. Or if you do, you're going to go Juco or D3, but you're not going to go anywhere big, which he was right. I didn't go anywhere big. But ever since then, I was like, oh, my gosh, like that was a 
big wake up call. I was never the best player on a lot of my teams. I was always like one of the better players. And I mean, there were teams that I didn't make and there were team that, teams that I made. So I wasn't like a standout player. But when he told me that, I was like, damn, dude, like you really shot down my dream. And so that kind of just lit a fire in me that I was going to prove him wrong. And if I made it to D3, then I made it to D3. But if I went higher than that, then I was going to prove him wrong. But if I made it to one of those lower ones, then I was going to try to be the best I could be at that school. Is that is that something, uh, that motivation, uh, obviously it's not something you wanted to hear, but did you take that into to things you did in life outside of baseball as well? Like you, you, never, you always wanted to be better than – you can, or you always want to be the best best version of you that you can be. Did, did you take that uh, of what he said to heart and like use that into like everyday life, like in the classroom or just like uh, friendships in general, like relationships, stuff like that too? Or is that something that you know, you're just always, uh, I'm going to use this to get better at baseball. I'm going to prove them wrong. Or is that something you took outside of that as well? Um, I'd say really until college, I just did it in high school. So it was just, I always want to be the best at baseball. I mean, I in class, it was never, like, tough for me in high school. I didn't really study a whole lot, and I got decent enough grades to pass. So I didn't take that into anything but baseball until college. Then I uh, took it into other things. Yeah. Um, so my next question for you would be, uh, how, how would you have described yourself as a, as a high school baseball player? For, for me, uh, baseball in high school was, like, every – like, it was, like – it was baseball or die for me. Like I lived and breathed it. It probably, it probably made me a, a very cocky person just because like I, as a high school player, I had more success than I did in college. And uh, it, it gave me that cockiness attitude. So uh, how, how would you describe yourself as a, as a high school player uh, going from freshman year to senior? Yeah. Uh, I was, I mean, till my senior year, I was a pretty mediocre baseball player. Like I, the only thing I could do really well since I started playing baseball is throw it. I could always throw the ball hard and I could always throw with some pretty good accuracy. So freshman year, freshman that made JV. And uh, I mean, we played, but I don't really remember a whole lot of it. Like it was just, it was pretty much just getting me ready for varsity like any JV team is. Um, I went to a couple games for varsity didn't play. I think I got one at bat and I hit a little dinker over the first baseman that got me an RBI. So that was my one at bat and first RBI for varsity as a freshman. And then sophomore year, um, there was always a catcher in front of me until my sophomore year. And he was, he was really good. He actually went on to go play football at Ohio state. He walked on. So, I mean, he was just a freak athlete. Um, so I sat behind him. I played third my sophomore year just because he was the catcher. And I played, I don't know, maybe like a third of the games. Didn't really hit really well. Defense was all right. I made like one pretty good play that I remember. And then going into my junior year, my high school coach was like, well, you're the dude. Like this other guy graduated, so you're going to be the catcher. Um, caught a lot of games. We did all right. We weren't anything special I really didn't hit that well um nothing to write home about and then uh, my senior year um I kind of had the same mindset I did my senior year of college which was like well it's my senior year I could care what happens I'm just gonna do the best I can so uh I knew I just 
for some reason gained like that kind of cockiness you're talking about, like confidence where it was like, I'm better than everybody and nobody's going to beat me. And so my senior, I hit 370. Um, I remember in the beginning of the season, uh, my class was like hyping up the baseball team. We were like, we're going to be studs. Like our junior year, we weren't bad. And we were only juniors. Like we're going to be amazing senior year. So we always had a bunch of people come out to games and that was fun. And I remember there was one week I got like athlete highlight of the week or something like that. And I hit like, I don't even know. I think I went like eight for 16. So I hit 500 and then I threw out, um, like seven to eight base runners with a back pick to first and second. So it was like, I hit well. Um, I only had one home run. I always hit extra base hits and nobody ran on me and I got a lot of strikes. So my senior, I was definitely better, but by then it was too late. Like other schools were already pretty much looking past me and uh, going in my summer of my senior year. So going into my freshman year of college, I went to a showcase at Kent State and uh, at this time, I was already actively like hitting up a lot of D3 colleges in Ohio just because I didn't think I could make it past there. Um, I got recruited by Bluffton like my sophomore year and higher my sophomore year. And then my senior year, I was just emailing and calling people uh, constantly and daily, actually, to see if they would ever answer Went to this showcase and then I emailed every single coach on that showcase and called every single first people that got back to me was coach sack and always answered all my questions uh with urgency and everything else and so um that was pretty much how i got to go to earlham i mean there were other colleges that recruited me but nothing like coach sack ever did yeah, yeah. So, uh is, is that part of the reason why you chose earlham just because coach sack is one of the best recruiters out there. He's very good with communication. He's very good showing everyone around the facility. He makes you feel like you belong right away. Is that is that part of the reason why you chose Earlham? Because uh, me being a transfer student from Wittenberg, Coach Zach was uh, actually the first person that reached out to me after uh, I decided that I wanted to transfer. Uh, my good buddy, Grace, was at uh, Earlham College. We played summer ball together, and he, uh, he it's weird. It was a weird coincidence because he, he texted me the – the day that I quit uh, at Wittenberg and said, hey, man, how's baseball going at Wittenberg? And uh, I just told him that I, I quit. And I think less than 24 hours later, I got a call from or I got a text from Coach Sack. And then he called me and uh, right away just, I was hooked. I mean, he, he told me all about Earlham. He made me feel like I belonged. And I, I never even met the man. I didn't even know what he looked like at the time. And uh, I, I, ne I had no clue where Earlham was, but uh, just that feeling of feeling welcomed and uh that, that was one of the big reasons why I chose it so was that also one of the reasons why you chose it or did did you did you like like the facilities when you were there or was it more like you just felt like it was a family environment because uh the family aspect of it was like the biggest part for me because I I wanted I didn't want to transfer again and I wanted a place where it felt like home to me and uh just after talking to Coach Sack a couple of times I I, I knew Erlen was going to be the place for me. Yeah, it was definitely the family aspect. I mean, the turf field is amazing and all the gear that you get in. One of the best facilities I mean, in the West for sure. Like, yeah, he uh, he definitely makes you feel like you're the only player that he's recruiting in that position. And whether that's a lie or not, um, it works and it gets people to come there. 
Um, another part of it was they had just won the year before. So it was kind of like, okay, well, this is a winning team and I want to be on a winning team. And uh, I had Danny for my visit and my overnight. And uh, I mean, that dude is the ultimate selling tool. Like I imagine going to a D3, I saw like kids that were younger than me or looked younger than me. And then I remember seeing Danny and he was like, hey, uh, this is the campus. I was like, that's dude, a big country dude right there. <laughs> I was like, this dude's a D3 baseball player. I'm definitely going to come here. And uh, so it was definitely partially Coach Sack and all of his doings. And then uh, I had my visit and overnight with Danny. And uh, I connected with him pretty well, pretty much right off the bat. So, yeah, that was that was a big part of it. Yeah, so uh, let's transition into the college part of it. But before we do that, I want to get a quick word from our sponsors. Uh, thank you to Skippy's Chicken. They've been a great sponsor for this show, one of my favorite restaurants to go to. The staff is always friendly and make amazing chicken. Uh, so much that has had me skipping. Uh, I also like to think the hallway hockey league, most explosive, hard-hitting, fan-engaging, entertaining hockey league in the world. It's the HHL, a league for the fans. And hey, you. Yeah, you. I'm looking at you right now. You can become the ultimate Jordan Cooter Show fan by hitting that like and subscribe button on our YouTube, Spotify, and Apple podcast page. And give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram and head to our website and subscribe to our weekly newsletter on our website at www.thejordancouterishow.com. All you need to do is head to the bottom of our page and enter your email, and you'll receive weekly newsletters that will keep you up to date on upcoming episodes, future merchandise for purchase, and will keep you up to date for up- upcoming projects that are led by Jordan and Alex. Now, welcome back to the show. Uh, so let, let's let's talk college here. Uh, looking back at your first couple of years, how did you how did you view yourself uh, freshman and sophomore year at that time uh, versus how do you view yourself as you look back upon those years now? Because for me, uh, when when I first got into Earlham, I like what what guy doesn't think that they're that they're the shit coming into the coming into the school? Like uh, I I thought I had a pretty good like four years at Roger exactly. Bay, and. Uh, I was first team all city for three years and like I thought oh, I'm just gonna come in there and play right away and man I got humbled really quickly and uh I, I was I'll admit that I was cocky and I had like an ego probably bigger than five foot nine 175 pounds when I walked in but uh it humbles you really quickly the, co- the college baseball experience and uh for, for me I, I got right I was a pitcher right away and I just came off Tommy John surgery I was probably less than a year out at that point from surgery and uh, I, I I wasn't ready physically to pitch because uh, I still wasn't really healed up fully and uh, I, wa- I wanted to I wanted to be a two-way going in there but uh, uh, it didn't really work out that way and uh, I got PO'd and I, I thought man like he, he doesn't know what he's doing like this I'm better than this like why won't they give me an opportunity but like looking back on it now man I, I would not have played myself like I was I was dog I was dog water and uh I I I, I didn't I didn't see it at the time but uh looking back on it now I'm glad I didn't play because that that humbled me and it made me it made me want to become a better player because at that time I thought I was the best in the world as I viewed myself but uh man, I had a lot of improvement to go and a lot of progress to get to be made. And uh, a lot of people view division three baseball as a joke. I I think it, I think at any level, there's good baseball competition. I think, I think there's uh, teams out there that could beat division one teams. I think there's NAIA teams that could go out there and beat division one, division two, division three teams. I think obviously there's JUCO schools that do it because of the amount of division one players that end up coming out, out of those programs. But uh, how how did you, how did you view yourself? Uh, 
as as a freshman and sophomore because you, you played uh, a decent amount your freshman year. Like you, they had you at third base, and I, I can't remember if you caught yeah. that much or. But uh, I, yeah. First now. So I, I kind of thought the same thing. Not I wasn't like super cocky because I really only had one good year in high school, but I was trying to carry that into my freshman year. And I remember, I mean, first day open field, all the catchers showed up and there were like seven of us. And I was like, I, I did not expect this at all. But I was like, you know what, Coach Sack, I, he said I was the number one recruit for the catchers class. So I'm just going to continue to think that. And uh, obviously I was not. So, uh, yeah, so freshman year, played a little bit, played third base, didn't hit like I wanted to. Definitely that was the most humbling part was hitting. Uh, I realized that I was not ready for Division three college baseball uh, pitching at all, even though I look back at it now, like they weren't that good. They were predictable, but I just never thought of it like that. Um, sophomore year, dude, sophomore year, I was ready to go, like, Felt good. I caught like out of the games we played, I think I caught like a third of them. Every game I caught, we won. Um, I was hitting well, I was seeing it well, and then COVID just shit on everything. So that ruined a lot of it. And then uh my junior year, um, I was like, this is my breakout year. I'm I'm gonna be good because my sophomore year was pretty good. I felt amazing. I felt better than the other catchers. I felt like I was the best, one of the best players. So my junior is like, we'll be good. I'm, this is this is the year. Going into the winter, I knew that I had to get stronger because I wanted to be the dude that I was in high school, which was the power hitter. I was always four in high school. I was the four hole. So I wanted to be that guy in college. Lifted, gained about 30 pounds, got really strong. But that strength turned into a lack of mobility. Um, speed wasn't there, confidence in my body wasn't there, um, not knowing how to move my body wasn't there. So, yeah, in BP, I could smoke it, dude. I was hitting the ball hard as hell. But uh, when it got into the game and they were throwing me off speed that I didn't know how to hit, um, I failed and I fell on my face. So I think looking at looking back at it now, I definitely would have thought – okay, I'm gonna still get strong, but in a different way, I wasn't gonna try to gain a bunch of weight. I was just gonna put on some pounds, but have that just be with lifting and not force feeding myself. And then uh, really just the confidence, like my junior, I had a lot of fake confidence. I didn't really have like, like I could say, yeah, I'm the best. Like I could tell you my junior year, yeah, man, I'm gonna beat everybody out, I'm gonna win. But did I really think that? No. Did I really believe that? No. My senior year, when I said that, that I went, I said, like, we're winning a ring. We're going to be good. I'm going to be the best. I believe that. Like, there was no doubt in my mind or in any part of me that was going to uh, stray me away from that. So that was that was probably the biggest thing. Looking back on it was confidence was not was not there. And it, it, if it was, then it was just not believable for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Let's talk about. Uh, let's recap the 2022 season. Uh, it's probably one of the best baseball seasons uh, in Earlham College baseball history. Only, only twice or one time before that has uh, any Earlham baseball team ever uh, advanced into the NCAA tournament. But before we do that, uh, I'd like to get one more quick word from our sponsor. Speed, charisma, 
hard-hitting action, jaw-dropping plays. It's Telerik. It's Gorman. It's D-Town's Kingdom. It's Hall of Fame coach Cudarella. This is the Hallway Hockey League. This is the HHL. Welcome back to the Jordan Cooter Show. Andrew Bradley still in the studio with me. Andrew, let's talk about the 2022 season, going back to it. So going back to the, the 2021 final out, we're in Lexington, lose the transi in the ch- championship finals there. Uh, how are you feeling going going after the or after that happened? Because as soon as that final out was made, I was ready to go for next season. I knew we were going to have a really good team. I didn't know how we were going to be pitching-wise. I knew we were going to be really good defensively and chemistry-driven. I thought we were going to be pretty good because I thought there was a lot of talent that we had that just wasn't getting enough playing time. But I thought once we got that chemistry built and guys got going that we were going to be a pretty good team. Is that how you felt going into the following season? Yeah, I I mean, I was kind of pissed off with my – uh, not in my playing time because that makes it sound like I'm putting it on an external source. But, um, I mean, I definitely wasn't happy. I got a last at bat, poked a little single and caught the last, I don't know, third of the inning before. So that wasn't too great. But uh, I thought I was really going to be, like, happy that that season was over. And I was because I was ready for, obviously, next season, like you were talking about. Like, I was really confident in the seniors' abilities. But – uh, seeing all the dudes that we played with for three years, like Shake and Danny and Hatfield, uh, it and seeing them not win another ring, I guess, uh, was kind of tough because I love those guys and not just those guys, but all the seniors that year there too. Uh, so I mean, that was kind of tough. It made me sad, but it that was kind of a little motivation for, uh, I don't know about anybody else, but it was definitely a little motivation for me uh, to win it for those guys as well as myself. Yeah, so let's go. Let's start off with the fall of 2021. I personally, I had a lot of high hopes for this team because I figured that if we got hot at the right time, we could do what Transy did. I felt like we had a lot of guys that were ready to prove themselves and had a lot of motivation and uh, just going out there had a lot to prove, like I said earlier, but uh I, I just thought that if, if we all had if we all did what we thought we could do, we could get hot at the right time. But going into that fall meeting, uh, so the meeting happens, we go to the fall meeting, I have all the confidence in the world this is gonna be a good year, and then boom, we get told nobody fears us. Pretty much I took out of that meeting was all the players had a lot of confidence in ourselves, but everybody outside of that didn't think we were gonna be that good. Is that how you felt too? coming out of that yeah yeah I mean I didn't it was kind of like foreshadowed by coach Sack that it was like this is probably what's going to happen this is what people are going to think just because we had so many uh like starters that had left like uh Pinky started all four years Mark started all four years uh Shake did I mean Danny Danny was Danny so losing Danny is we weren't going to be able to make each individual person up kind of like money ball where it was like, we're not going to make up one person with another one person. It's going to be like a group effort to make up all these different parts that we could have been missing Joey, um, Dom. So I definitely from an external view, I could see how the conference and other teams were like, 
yeah, they're not going to be good. Uh, their whole starting lineup might have, um, I don't know, what was it, like 300 at-bats on the entire year, like Cam McCabe had, or no, Zach had the most, and then Cam had the second most. Yeah, Zach had the most, and he didn't even play. play <laughs> and then combined with me, you, and Mike, and everybody else, it was like, I don't know, oh, Devin, probably like less than 100 at-bats. So I could see from an external point of view, seeing like these guys suck, they're not going to be good. So um, I think Sack did a good job of pounding that into our heads that like nobody thinks we're going to be good. There is not a single person in our lineup that was feared like Danny was. Like when Danny went up to the plate, it was we were either getting an RBI or he was going to get on, or if he didn't, then the pitcher got lucky or it was just unlucky for him. And uh, so, yeah, I think that that definitely helped all of us seniors, especially. And I remember distinctly having a meeting in me, Cam and Zach's room with all the seniors. And I feel like that was a major turning point because that was before the winter had started, maybe, or it was like after the fall. Mm -hmm. I think it was right around October or November. Yeah, and we were kind of all discussing like what we wanted to do and how we kind of wanted to go about running, not, well, running the team pretty much. And uh, I know there was like a consensus that if people didn't want to join what we were trying to do, then we were just dragging behind and eventually they would hop on. And I feel like that was a huge, huge turning point because I feel like a lot of other teams will be like, well, we want to help like the younger kids that maybe aren't playing, like feel accepted and like feel like they want to play still. But I mean, if you're just getting wins after win, after win, after win, after win, it's not as dreadful going to the field when you're getting killed every single game and you're like, well, I can contribute. But when you're winning, then you kind of just, this is how I felt my sophomore year, that you kind of just feel like, okay, I'm the next man up and I'm going to contribute to the win instead of like, I should be playing and I wish I could because maybe we wouldn't be losing. So I feel like that definitely helped, especially like some of the games we play where it was like Principia and like uh, the midweek games where you could like do a little player development and sub people in, we would still win those games by a large margin. So it wasn't like, the people on the bench were sitting on the bench wishing they were getting in and then do get in and then suck. They were wanting to get in and then they got in and then they did well. So it was like, if somebody got hurt in a big game, um, I knew I could trust anybody on the bench and anybody that maybe wasn't starting that day for some reason to come in and uh, do the work. Yeah. Uh, let's go back a little to fall ball here. I thought the fall scrimmages went really well. And Marina White, I thought we had a lot of talent. We just had to find that chemistry and mesh it all together and make sure everyone was on the same page, which is why I thought that's a good point that you brought up that meeting that we had with the seniors, because for all for a good portion of us, at least at the time, we thought, well, that was it. Like, this is our final year. If we want to do something, now's the fucking time to do it. And I, I thought going into that meeting, we all came out of it on the same page. And as soon as that meeting happened, I, I was ready to go because me personally, I, I I, I know I wasn't the best teammate the, the previous three years, but I wanted to make it up to everybody, especially the team in the program. I wanted to get that extra opportunity, and I, I just wanted to make up for the previous three years. And I knew I had I knew if 
if this team was going to be successful and we wanted to do what we wanted to do, it was going to take everybody. I, I forget how many guys we had on the team at the time, probably like 35, 36, but yeah. it was going to take all 36 of us. And if we got one bad egg, that's going to ruin the season for us. And I don't want to be that bad egg, but uh, yeah, let, let's, let's push it more towards the winner. Now uh, we just got, we just got back from uh, our winter break going into the spring season. First couple uh winter practices. I thought, I thought, wow, this is going to be a good season, but I thought we needed a message to send to everybody on our team that like, look, we're, we are good. If you guys don't see it yet, I want you guys to be patient because we're going to be pretty good. And bam, the, the rankings come out and we're, we're voted sixth. We're, we're not voted to make the tournament. And we just, we just made it to the finals the year before. And I, I thought that was disrespectful because yeah, we lost guys that have, that took us this far, but I felt like we had guys that were replaced. I felt we could replace guys with what we had and we could do better. And we could take that bar that was previously there and just raise it higher. Cause I, I thought the sky's the limit. We're going to have guys that are going to be new this year, but who's to say that they won't, they won't be better for us or they, they won't, uh, they won't make a statement of their own for this conference. I mean, you're a good example of that. When coach Sack had that fall meeting with everybody, he said there could be an all American in this room. And I'm sure he didn't re really actually think that we had an All-American in the room <laughs> at the time. But the first person I thought of when he said that was you, because I thought you could do everything Doc could do and more. I thought you could, if you stayed healthy and you had that confidence and that swagger that you ended up having going into that season, that you're going to be one of the m most deadly hitters in that league. And I think you proved that really well. But taking it back to uh, towards the winter, we just got back and we do we do those uh, – we do those uh, player-led uh, talks, I guess. I, I I don't know the right word for that. But, but McCabe and Aiden had uh, – or they gave their speech before practice, and I thought McCabe hit it right on the money when he said, yeah, we have guys that overlook us, or there's guys that are going to overlook us and think that we're not going to be any good. But he goes, F that. I know we're going to be very good. We're going to figure it out, and we're going to be one of the best teams in this conference, and we're going to win this conference. And as soon as he said that, I was like, hell yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. And I, I thought if he didn't say that, that I, I figured if he didn't say that, it was going to be a whole different season just because, like, if the captain says that, everybody's going to follow his lead, and we're, we're going to do great things. And ultimately, we ended up doing that. But now let's go into the spring season – or the spring part of the season, beginning of the year. Uh, we sweep Olivet right away. I, that's what I expected us to do. We get, we play Wilmington, a team that we normally never lose to, and we take two out of three from them. They sneak one in after we blow the lead. And right then and there, we could have fallen apart just because we're not expecting to lose to them, but we haven't lost to them in a while. And I know there's not a lot of pressure on us because we're not vote, we were voted not to do well this year, but uh, I took that Wilmington loss personally. And I wanted to, I wanted to show ourselves like we're better than this. And I think we answered it because we, what well, we started off seven and three, I think. And then we, we just kept cruising. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I saw how the rest of the league was doing and that league was pretty much wide open. I mean, yeah. Fra Franklin team that's voted to win the league. Well, finished in the top three in the league also loses to Wilmington. I remember we're all sitting in the U and we're like, Holy crap. Like th th this league's winnable. Is that how you yeah. felt too? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think uh, 
what you said about Cam and Aiden, I think that was really good in the winter. I I also I don't know how um I know Cam definitely felt felt this way um because we talked about it. Um like in the winter, like obviously it's like the captain's job to, I mean, you gotta rally the team and everybody's gonna look up to you and stuff, but um I know me and Cam and I can't really speak on all the other seniors because I know we talked about this, like I said, but we demanded like perfection out of ourselves and everyone. So um, the way that looks is very different. That could be uh, having a conversation with somebody. Um, I know that going, I figured being a senior that everybody had respect for me, regardless of how good I was the previous years or how bad I was the previous years, just because of seniority. So I kind of took advantage of that and uh, put my mindset on that I've had uh, for my entire life and projected it on everybody else. So I remember live at bats, I'd get hit. I'd talk all the shit to the pitchers because they had to be better. Um, I would tell people, you're bad. You're not doing good. You need to be better. So maybe not the best way to go about it, but um, I feel like that's what we needed at the time. It was like, if you're not going to strive to be perfect, then we're not going to be good. And uh, it definitely showed in the beginning of the season where, like you, like you said, we did sweep. Uh, all of it, which was expected, but I expected us to win every game in a sweep. And uh, yeah, man, obviously that sucks. It sucked getting beat by Wilmington because we always beat them and they always were like, yep, this is a winnable game. This is a winnable series. And we did win the series, but you know, dog, I just had blinders on. Like it was like the one game didn't really affect me. I feel like my major turning point was uh, all of that when we were down 10, 12 to nine. Or Oberlin. Oberlin, yeah. Oh, I guess it wasn't all of it, then it was Oberlin. Was that the next series? Uh, it went from Wilmington to Principia. We were supposed to play Hope. Hope got canceled. Straight to Wittenberg, or at or Wittenberg came here. We lost two to three, but we were kind of doing that as a bullpen day where one guy was throwing every inning. So yeah. I wouldn't really count that. We go, we go Oberlin on March 19th. They, they come here. We're down 12 to nine in the bottom of the ninth. You come up, base is loaded. You tie, I think you take the leader. You tie it with your base clearing double. And yeah. right there, I think everyone in the dugout, everyone in the stadium at least kind of realized like it doesn't matter if we're down by five or more runs. It doesn't matter. We can make a comeback at any point. And I think that game showed it because – I, I would think normally with with like the team attitude that we normally had in the past, if we were down by that many runs and at any point during the game, it, it was done with like, like, yeah, we, we would get a couple hits here and there, but our, our, I thought our biggest strength at that point in the season was we were good at two out hitting. And I think we scored all of those runs with two outs as well. Yeah. I, I guess that's good for as soon as a one guy bit. got on everybody, everyone just, everyone just followed the lead and. Yeah, thought, that's what I thought was our our biggest difference between the 2022 season and the 2021 season was we needed we couldn't get the big hit in the 2021 season, but 2022 season every hit just we we always got the big hit in the big situation, especially with two outs, and yeah. I I think that was our biggest strength at the time, but uh for me personally, go, making that comeback like it didn't feel like we were on top of the world yet like if it felt like we were slowly like starting to find ourselves and then we play Wabash and we lose 14 to 10 
And it's like, okay, well, what 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 kind of team are we? Are we the type of team that when we do face good competition, we back down, or is it screw you? Like that's a fluke. We're coming right back because it, number twenty two Adrian comes in. One of the one of the best programs in Division three. We I don't think we've beaten them one time in any of the fall scrimmages that we had against them. I, I'm sure we I think we tied them one time, but. <laughs> I, I think we really needed a statement game, and that Adrian game was a statement game when we were down 2 nothing in the first inning. We come back and tie it up, I think, in the third inning. They go ahead and take the lead, and then we go ahead and tie it back up. We go to the bottom of the eighth inning. Christian leads off with a home run, bang. And then you come up right right, right behind him. You hit a home run, bang. I, I thought right there, like, th- this is what we needed. Like, this is the statement game. That's the statement home run. That's the statement hit. And I think yeah. right there is when everything started to click together and everyone was like, holy crap, like this is our year. Like we, we can do something special. We just got to take it one game at a time. And going after Adrian, we ended up going to Wittenberg, losing 10 to four, then to Paul, losing 10 to three. And conference started and going into conference, you want to have the most amount of wins as possible going into that you want you want to go into there hot because you want to make that tournament you got to you might as well start winning right away because then you have room to lose if once you get towards later season we go ahead and sweep Mount St. Joseph and Defiance take one from Hanover and then sweep Transy I think right I think that Transy series is when everyone started to re, or started to give us some respect not just the league but people in the program as well started to understand that holy holy crap like we're going to do something special this year is that is that what you thought too or did it take a while for you to get towards later in the season to realize that because I I think I think after the Adrian game is when I started to think that bro I felt good after the uh Oberlin game <laughs> I had a, <laughs> it was the 12 to 9 and I hit that basis clearing double and you know I always had like the utmost confidence in myself and especially going into that year like all the shit that I did during the winter like I during the winter dude I hit for about a month and a half every day for at least two hours off the machine like just ramp it up all the way and see if I could hit it so um and I couldn't during the winter I could not hit that machine I couldn't foul ball off for at least two weeks so I was going in there for 14 days straight not touching a ball unless it was on a tee or a soft toss off a machine. I couldn't hit it. And, uh, so that definitely helped like accepting failure. So then when it got to the live at bats and I, I remember I struck out against Aiden. I mean, that sucked too because Aiden's Aiden and he's going to talk his shit and I want to talk mine too, but I, I tried and I couldn't cause he guess struck me out. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're facing the best of the best. Uh, literally the best basketball machine, machine fastball, and then you're facing one of the best staffs in our league, which was our own. And then Oberlin hit the double. I was like, I'm cool. I'm good. So, like, at that point, I knew that I was going to be in those positions throughout the rest of the season. I always have for my entire life. I feel like I've always been in the bottom of the ninth, three, two count, two outs. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to strike out? You're going to walk? Or are you going to get a hit to win the game? And Sometimes I get those hits, sometimes I walk, sometimes I strike out. Um, so that felt really good. And then the Adrian one, man, past like summers and seasons, usually once I hit one home run, I kind of get in a groove of like, 
hit more and more and more. It doesn't really matter where the ball was. So I hit that one, thought it was a double for some reason. Didn't realize that I obliterated it to like the parking lot, <laughs> but that felt good. And I was like, okay, I got one at least. And I got one pretty much. I hit the double and then Reese clutches up, hits a little dinker single in the hole. We win the game. And uh, so ever since Oberlin and Adrian, I was feeling good. And then again, I was in the situation in Transy when it was 2 2 and it was 10 to 9, maybe. Um, no. Later in the game. Uh, no, we we were pretty much blowing them out. I think the closest it was at one point was five to three. Okay. But uh, I, I know we, I know the second game, I think it was like four to four coach sack yeah. thrown out that hypes us up for some reason. I, yeah. That lit a fire under my ass. Like, hold, like he's backing us up. We, we're, we got to sweep these guys. Cause every, everyone in that league knew how transy acted. Like they, yeah. I, they're, they're a good program, but, they they act like a bunch of bush leaguers and I, I couldn't like I can't stand that I, I'm an old school baseball type of guy but I like to talk my shit but transy the, the crap they say it's not even it's not even related to baseball they just try to get in your head and the coach goes along with it yeah but I definitely remember that was like the nail in the coffin because yeah. and like they're a good team like young blood is the dude like he's good and uh they have some other good players on that team like their first baseman was pretty good um and so, like, they could come back any time. But I think we all knew collectively, like, once we started, like, getting one, two, three, four nails on that coffin, then it was going to be, like, they were done at that point. And I remember that uh, home run. It was – I had two strikes. I, it was, like, one of those moments, like, during, a, like, defiance where you're just, like, in the zone and – like everything slowed down and like, I feel like after defiance, I was able to get myself into that place a little bit easier. Like I had to going back to coach G I had to breathe a little bit, but you had to out the patterns of breaths and uh, the tempo and stuff. And once you got in it, man, I mean, I couldn't get beat. So after that, I was like, yep, they're done. That was, that was an emotional night. That was crazy. I couldn't fall asleep after that. Yeah, that defiance game was crazy, but we'll we'll get back to that in a moment. But we go we go from Transy, get swept by Bluffton. That was unexpected. Then comes in Rose Holman. We're fighting for first place with Rose Holman. I think I think at the time we're we're tied with them. Franklin's a game or two behind us. We sweep Rose Holman. I think I think that was our best series as a team that entire year. Just because previously Rose Holman would just small ball us to death. But yeah. now they got new coaches, an entire new program. They're coming to our place. We were, we're beating them, not by much. You go in there, hit a grand slam. Bam. Now we're taking the lead. Now we win that game eight to six. Then we win the next game 11 to two. Then we come in Anderson. Anderson comes on, comes on what's supposed to be our senior day. We beat them seven to four. Lose to them six to seven the next game. Lose to Franklin the next game. And now we're tied with Franklin for first place. We beat Franklin eight to four the following game. Finally, take the lead in the standings. Now we control our destiny. We lose to Manchester, and then beat Manchester. We get the two seed. We don't get the regular season championship like we were hoping. But I think second place at that time for us, it, it worked out in the long run because 
we got to play Rose Holman right away in the tournament, a team that we already beat twice already. It's, it's hard to beat a team when you get swept by them previously. So I remember telling you and telling Aiden, if we beat Rose Holman the first game of the tournament, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna win the entire thing. If we lose to Rose Holman, there's no way we come back because I think at that time it, I think at that time if we would have got punched in the face, I don't think, I don't think given the amount of pressure that we put on our, on ourselves at that time, if we get punched in the face, we're not getting back up. But if we throw the first punch, I think we just keep on just knocking the crap out of them, and that's yeah. ultimately what we did. We beat Rose Holman five to three, Franklin College nine to eight, and then we won the championship 10 to nine. And I want to talk about that championship because that was one of the greatest feelings in the world. I, I still think about that day all the time. That's probably, I, I remember telling you and telling everybody else that I, I just wanted one good baseball memory because I, I, the farthest I ever went in high school was districts and you being from Ohio, you know, that's not really much like the district championship that that's nothing. Yeah. I, I got the kick the game winning field goal in football once that's my good memory for that. And then soccer, we went to, soccer, we went all the way to the regional finals. That, that was a good time for me, but I never really had that good baseball moment. And that ground ball to Swearingen, flipping over to Christian, that that was icing on the cake for me. Like, I didn't, I didn't care what happened in the regional tournament. I was just happy that we got a ring. We got to do something that people in our own program thought wouldn't happen with us, but everyone else player-wise, we, we knew what, we could have did that. And that was just one of the greatest feelings in the world. Can, can you take me through how you felt after we get that final out? We're dogpiling on the field. Yeah, man, that was just – that was crazy. I mean, going back to the start of it was just – I don't know. It's like everything you dream about where, like, sun's going down, lights are getting clicked on. Like, it's game time, bro. It doesn't matter who's playing. This is just – we're just playing some ball. And – uh I remember uh, top of the first, uh, we hit one run. And it was – that whole tournament was low, kind of aggravating for me because I only remember hitting lasers for outs to center or the gap. Like, it was so, so aggravating that every ball that I hit was pieced, that I knew was pieced, but it was out. And so – I remember Nathan got on, I think he stole second and then got to third somehow. And I got that RBI on another laser that was freaking pieced. And uh, I thought it was going to get down. I'm hustling because I think it's going to be a double and get close to second and it's an out. He get, I get the RBI. And I remember walking past Coach Morrow and he was like, you're good, you're good, you're good. And I was like, that RBI is going to win us the game. I promise you. I was like, we need one 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 run and that's all we're gonna need and eventually came down we won 10 to 9 and uh, i mean it the last inning in the dugout i was pacing could not you couldn't stop me if you put a brick wall in front of me i was either going through or i was moving around it and i just what i was thinking was like all the years like leading up to it like not even when i was younger but like when i first got to Earlham and it was like I wanted to play a bunch of transfers came in now there's seven eight catchers wasn't gonna play played a little bit at third didn't do that great going into sophomore year like kind of all the that stuff where it was like I was up and down and up and down and up and down and I thought I was getting good and then COVID hit sophomore year and then I was like okay well that went to shit and then junior year 
ball goes good, I'm feeling good, have good at-bats. Winter, I get strong, like stronger than I've ever been. And spring hits and early BP and bat and stuff like that, and I'm crushing the ball. I'm like, dude, I'm about to be All-American Hall of Famer at Earlham my junior year, hit 170. And then senior year, like, I'm going to leave it all on the table. And the relentless, like, failing of the two weeks of winter where I literally just couldn't touch a ball, and it was just so, like – like all that was going through my head where I was like, this is really like what you talk about. We're like, you do all this work for four years, like you blood, sweat, and like literal blood, sweat, and tears. Like you're bleeding throughout the season. You're crying throughout the season, happy or sad tears. You're sweating your ass off, whether it's coach sack running workouts freshman year, where it's just circuits till you die. And then you go condition outside or you're working hard on the field and then you come off all sweaty and exhausted because you're just going hard. And then the ground ball to Zach, who I, which is crazy because that dude has been my roommate since freshman year. And I've known him since high school when we first connected because I was told that he was going to be my roommate. So I was calling and texting him all the time. He did want me to call or text him flip it over to Christian, get the final out. It felt, it didn't even feel real. Like running on the field. I remember it happened, got the out. I started running onto the field, tears just flowing, like onto my face. You couldn't stop them. It was, and that was insane. Like I didn't even know who to think, what to say, just got on the pile and, oh my God, it was insane. Yeah. Let's let's go back. Let, let's read off some of your stats for our listeners. You batted 369. That's good for seventh best in the conference. Uh, on base plus slugging, you were at one one point three three hundred twenty four. That's pretty fucking amazing. You started thirty four game or excuse me thirty one games playing thirty four hundred thirty at bats, thirty nine runs, forty eight hits, fourteen doubles, sixteen home runs, forty nine RBIs, one hundred ten total bags, eight forty six slugging percentage. You had 23 walks, five hit by pitches. Man, that is that's a big difference from what you did in your previous three years. And the reason why is because you weren't striking out as much as you normally did. And I think you kind of realized that that you were hitting bombs. You you got more hits than you would strikeouts. And I remember telling Cam, or Cam would Cam would tell me, if, if Drew just cuts down on these strikeouts, he's gonna be really fucking good. You cut down on the strikeouts, now you're seventh in the conference and hitting but you're leading the league in slugging percentage at 846 you're seventh in on base percentage you're first in on base percentage plus slugging you got let's see you're up there in hits you're third in or excuse me fourth in rbis you are ninth in doubles you you pretty much just ran the entire league You, you grabbed it by the throat and took everything that you wanted from it you get. I thought. I thought you got screwed on Player of the Year. I didn't think it should have yeah. gone to Messenbrink. I, I thought that you should have got it. Uh, yeah. We got eight minutes left to go. Just, just take take me through how you felt with that and just that entire season because that Defiance series, you hit five home runs, four in one game, and I thought that's the game that I thought after you did that you were gonna just destroy the league, and that's literally what you did. Yeah, I mean, it felt good, obviously, like doing that and, and being the guy that Coach Stack talked about where I was like, nobody was feared, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I was like, I don't believe that because 
I think I should be, but nobody is. So um, I think the biggest thing for me was learning how to hit off speed because I've never been able to do that really well. And uh, it wasn't even that like mechanically I had to fix something. It was like mentally, like I needed to be released from like, you're the extra base hit guy, but not really home runs yet. Like I was always told that. And then this year, for the fall meeting, Coach Sack, Caduto, and whoever else was in there, they were like, you're going to be the power guy. So I don't know if you need to, like, know that, but you are going to hit doubles or you're going to hit home runs, and we're going to expect you to be the dude that hits home runs. And I was like, okay, that's all you need to tell me. And, uh, yeah, since then it was kind of like – and also realizing that, like, going to my freshman year, I always swung as hard as I could every single time, like 100% swinging out my shoes – and then I remember asking Danny, and I was like, do you swing as hard as you can every single time? He's like, no. Why, like, why would I ever do that? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I just thought that everybody did that because I do. And he's like, no, I swing like 80%. Sometimes I'll swing 100 if I'm feeling good, but 80% is the way to go. I was like, okay. So I never would get, like, physically, like, really, really tired because I never was swinging at – hundred percent. I was always swinging like controlled and trying to get barrel on the ball. And, uh, that was kind of a big thing was, that was the first thing that helped me was like, I had to be released from that extra base hits, but you're going to turn into the power guy. Um, the other stuff was just the Overland game. Like I talked about, like that was big conference booster and myself. And, uh, I think a lot of people after that depended on me and that's what I wanted. That's why I want as like, I feel like as any leader, you want to be dependent upon and you want to be that person that is the the person that's going to be able to do everything and anything that the team asks for. You wanted to be the guy pretty much. Exactly. Wanted to be the guy. And um, I had always been the guy for high school, but not hitting wise. It was defensively like it was anybody that got on, I'd back pick them and they were gone or they'd try to steal and I'd throw them out. And I would always help out my pitchers and stuff like that. And then it kind of transferred to um, I had to be a really good hitter. And another big thing that I had to learn was I had to be a cerebral hitter. I couldn't just be the big, muscly country guy and swing at everything and try to hit the ball hard. And um, going back to Danny, I mean, that dude taught me so many invaluable skills about hitting that I hadn't learned from anybody else. And he taught me a lot about the mental side of it, like um, not just counts, but even like being able to relax yourself and having the confidence in yourself and nobody's going to be able to beat you. And um, that was kind of, I've always thought about that in myself as well, like having that self-confidence that every time I went up to the plate, I thought nobody was going to beat me. And if you did, then you got lucky. But the next time I was going to beat you. And the next time after that, I was going to beat you again and again and again and again. So. Um, if you did get the one win against me, good job. You weren't going to get any more. And that was my mindset throughout the entire season. And I hated looking at stats because I never wanted to get that in my head. And I would sometimes, but not – it didn't really affect me like um, I thought it would, which was good. But, yeah, man, it was – it all felt good. I knew that I wanted to be the guy and everybody eventually depended on me to be the guy. So that was, that was it. The rest was history. Yeah. Um, 
I I can with 100% confidence say you were definitely that guy. I think your story is an amazing one to tell. You went from you went from being this unknown catcher. I mean, shit, you you and Easton were fighting for the catching spot. And then you start hitting like a god. You you take off and then now you earn yourself the designated hitter role, which I think you enjoyed more because you could just focus on hitting and just take that time to understand going into the games what exactly you wanted to do. And I th- I like what you did against Defiance, but I think your best hitting game personally was the first Franklin game when you hit three home runs. And <laughs> I I understand that we were playing on a short porch being a high school field, but dude, these these weren't just high school home runs. You were hitting bomb you were hitting about 430 foot bombs into the second rows of the parking lot, which were a hundred feet behind the fence. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think every home run you hit this year. I think none of them were wall scrapers. They they were all major league shots. And I I think you're the only guy I've ever seen in person besides a major league baseball game that's lunged at a ball and hit it about 400 feet. (laughs) So I want to thank you for coming on this show and telling your story because it's probably one of the best ones to tell. One of the greatest hitters in Earlham College history, single season home run record, Drew Bradley. I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, with two minutes to go, do you have anything you want to say to the fans? Yeah, man. Uh, first of all, I appreciate you having me on the show. Um, I love doing stuff like this. Like I told you, I did Ian's podcast, and that was so fun. I just love listening to podcasts and having conversations. And uh, we always had conversations in the room that were great. And um, I guess the last thing I would kind of leave in here, if anybody were to listen to this or however many people listen to this, um, I think that you're doing a great job for trying to advocate for D3 baseball. Um, I feel like I was kind of disappointed where I had five home runs in a series, four home runs in the game. That's the 19th time that's only ever been done. Ryan McCarthy, shout that dude. That dude's a beast. Uh, did it a couple of weeks after me. And he wasn't on ESPN. He wasn't on SportsCenter. Um, not that I'm saying that any of us should have, but – I mean, we got the shout out from the Virginia guy and that was sweet, but I feel like there needs to be more um, uh, publicity to all divisions of baseball. I can't say this for all sports, but I definitely think that baseball and football, basketball, whatever, um, there should be more publicity to those sports because there's a, there are dudes in D3, uh, D2 and JUCO and NAI and it should be talked about. Yeah, man, I'm all for that. Hey, thank you again for coming on, but we are officially out of time for this episode. I want to thank our sponsors for the show for making this possible. I want to thank the entire Jordan Cooter Show crew, from our audio team to our graphic design team to our social media page teams. Our production team works nonstop to ensure this show runs smoothly, and without them, the show wouldn't exist. Most importantly, I want to thank you, the fans. You are the Jordan Cooter Show faithful, and without you, the millions and millions that tune in and enjoy the show. This show would be nothing without you guys. I appreciate you more than you guys can realize. Tune in to next week's show when Mean G returns into the studio, and boy, does he have something to say. Jordan and Glick will also take a look and review LeBron James' biggest lies and exaggerations as well. This is going to be a don't-miss episode. Thank you, and we will see you next week.